I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. I'll begin reading at verse 13 to the end of the chapter. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 1157. This evening we take up the fruit of the Spirit called faithfulness. Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, let us now hear God's word. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. As for the reading of God's Word, I'd like to pray at this time. Let's pray. <coughs> Father in heaven, we ask, O oh Lord, in faith, that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that you would grant us spiritual ears to hear and eyes to see, that you, O oh Lord, would speak faithfulness to our hearts. We need a word from the Lord. We need your word more than life, a physical life itself. Because your word brings spiritual life to the very soul, ministering to us in our deepest need and hurt and pain. And when we think about faithfulness, we think, O oh Lord, of how great you are and how good you are and how true you are to your word and promise. Let God be true and every man a liar. Your word is true. And may that truth that we hear preached on this Lord's day Sink deeply into our souls by the power of your Spirit. 
and sanctify us. Cause growth, fruit, the fruit of faithfulness, a loyal love to you and to our neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've looked at love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness and goodness last week, and we saw the similarities between kindness and goodness with that slight nuance, kindness being that moral goodness in in a kind, in a friendly, warm, cordial way, loving people to such an extent that truth is manifested. Truth is at the forefront. forefront. Goodness is that moral excellency that comes from God to do what is right, good, for the good of our neighbor. This evening, we look at faithfulness. Faithfulness is a bit more of a a difficult word to consider in this list of fruit of the spirits. Because the word for faithfulness here, some translations have faith, is the word pistis, a noun. That can mean faith or faithfulness. But even the word faith or faithfulness has a variety of meanings based on the context. Just like every other word that you put in a sentence, you interpret it based on context. And so first we want to define faithfulness because it's important, especially in the context of Galatians chapter 5. There's a reason why I start reading at verse 13. You see how the Apostle Paul Paul warns of infighting, of division, of disunity? All those things occur because the works of the flesh are really being manifested among the body of Christ in Galatia and in churches today. Pride, envy, jealousy, getting what we want is all me, 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 my agenda, my opinion, my thoughts. Not the concern of my brother or sister. Therefore, there's this unity. And he warns, you're, gonna, you're consuming one another. And that overarching fruit of the Spirit, love, is not manifested within the body. And like every other fruit of the Spirit that we see, love is that umbrella over every one of them. You want joy? No love. You want peace? No love. If you want long-suffering, no long-suffering love. And now you want faithfulness? No faithful love. Love, love, love. What does Paul say? The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul isn't preaching a moralism. He's preaching a faith that works. A faith that works through love. I like the KJV. Faith worketh through love. Beautiful. Faith worketh through love. And the same is true for faithfulness. 
But we need to look deeply into this word faithfulness, what the various meanings are, and what it means in this particular context. Because this word has a wide range of meanings. First, faith means a wholehearted trust in God through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith means a trust, a wholehearted trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation of our sins, forgiveness of our sins, for life everlasting. Faith is the means by which we are justified before God our Father. Faith is the hand of the heart that takes hold of the promise of God. It says, I believe in Jesus with my head, heart, soul, my entire being. And that's a prominent word used by the Apostle Paul. In fact, it's used in the first few chapters of Galatians. Look with me at Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. I'll begin at verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith. Pistis in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one will be justified. This is a faith that saves one from their sins and misery. It is a faith that saves them from death and hell. A faith that justifies a man or woman before God. By God's grace. So that's one meaning of this word pisses. Is that what's being referred to in this list of fruit of the spirits? Secondly, faith means, this word, Greek word means, an intellectual assent to a set of facts. Is this a problem in the church? You better believe it. If I just agree to a set of Christian doctrines... I'm in like Flynn, right? This word also appears in Paul's writings. It appears in James' writing. If you're taking notes, James chapter 2, James writes, but someone will say, you have faith. Now he's talking about the same faith that Paul's talking about, the faith that saves I have works. Show me your faith apart from works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe, same word, but in verb form, you believe God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe, same word, and shudder. The demons know the Bible better than you and I know the Bible. Satan could destroy all of us in a Bible bee. But what's his destiny? An intellectual sin. Is that what's referred to in this fruit of the Spirit? They're all in Paul's writings too. But there's a third meaning of the word for faith or faithfulness. And it can mean to entrust or to commit oneself to another. For example, in Galatians chapter 2, same book here, Paul uses the same word. Chapter 2, verse 7. On the contrary, this is when uh, Paul... Um, will soon rebuke Peter, but he's accepted by the apostles and he's 
committed and trusted to the gospel, to the um, uncircumcised, verse 7 of chapter 2. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted, pistis, the same word, with the gospel to the circumcised, Wait, hold on a second. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted, same word, with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted, same word, with the gospel to the circumcised. For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. So it has this idea of being committed to, entrusted to someone else. In fact, Jesus, in John chapter 2, Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. Many people saw his miraculous sign and what he was doing, and they believed. And what did Jesus do? The text says many people saw miraculous signs that he was doing and believed in his name, but he would not entrust himself to them. They believed in him, same word, pistis, but he would not entrust himself to them, same word. Lastly, last meaning, there are others, but these four are most important here for our purposes. And this, I think, we're in the fruit of the Spirit, in that list enumerated there. This is an important Definition, a diff- important meaning. The word pistis uh, or faith or faithfulness refers to one who is loyal, faithful, trustworthy. If I were to give a, another title to this sermon, I would call it loyal love. Loyal love. A person who not only wholeheartedly trusts in Jesus as Lord and Savior, trusts in the God of promise, but one who exhibits faith at work, faithfulness, loyalty, because that's what faith does. Faith works. It works this loyal love where you are committed and entrusted to one another. So I think that entrusted, entrust or commit and loyal are, are together here. I think it's a combination of the last two. To entrust yourself to one another in the one true faith. To entrust yourself to one another in love and good works. To commit yourself to one another. To be loyal to one another. We are in the Lord's army, as the song goes. What good is an army that is disloyal to one another? What good is an army that bickers and fights and devours one another? They are defeated from within. But the enemy is from without. And if there's no peace and unity and loyalty from within, how will the people survive? That's why Satan loves to get to the heart of the leaders of the church. That's where he goes. He goes to, that's why he goes to the father of the home. That's why he goes to the leaders of the church. That's why he goes to the kings of the country, the leaders of the country. Because if you get to the leader, you'll cause a revolt within the body, division, disloyalty.
in the context of the fruit of the Spirit, this word faith or faithfulness refers both to commitment and loyalty to a divine standard. Love God and love your neighbor. And a commitment to the building up of the body of Christ. To care for one another. To bear one another's burdens. That's being faithful to one another. Loyal to one another. You know, during political campaigns, the political season, it's rough. All the promises, man, alive. All the promises. Oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. No sooner than they're elected in office, they have amnesia. They forget. Some kind of mysterious amnesia overtook them and their promises, or they misspoke. Or you just didn't understand them correctly. They didn't mean what they said. What happens? They show themselves to be untrustworthy, disloyal to their constituents. By nature, aren't we all like that? Aren't we? Some more, more of a degree than others. I've let people down. I haven't been loyal. I've been shown loyal love as God commands. That's why we need to look to the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. Secondly, we look at the faithfulness of God the loyalty of God. By looking at the faithfulness of the Father and the faithfulness of the Son. The faithfulness of the Father in His very being and nature is manifested in creation and in His Word and in His works. You see, God the Father in His very being is faithful. He is loyal meaning he is trustworthy to fulfill his promises and accomplish his plans. I don't know if you saw it in Psalm 89 and when we sang it. I'm sure you got the clue that we're going to be talking about faithfulness a little bit tonight. It's a very important, well-known psalm in terms of God's faithfulness. The psalm goes on to teach of God's faithfulness in redemptive history. Think of your Old Testament scriptures. How God was faithful through the history of Israel in providing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Fulfilling his promises to them. Fulfilling the land promise. Fulfilling the promise that he will be their God and they will be his people. Fulfilling the promise to keep covenant with them and to Abraham. I made it a study this past year in the Pentateuch to, to, to follow the flow of the Abrahamic covenant and how so often God remembers the people always drew God's attention. God, remember your covenant to Abraham. And God would remember his covenant to Abraham and intercede because he is loyal and faithful to his promise. The faithfulness of the Father is revealed throughout Old Testament history 
as He keeps His covenant with His people. He keeps His covenant promise to forgive and heal sinners. Think of 1 John 1.9, that well-known passage. If you confess your sins, He is what? Faithful. Talking about God the Father. That He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And to do so through the blood of Christ, the blood of His Son. He is faithful forever to keep His covenant with His people. To those who love God, who love God and are called according to His purpose. So, for example, in dark providences, in sorrows, in mourning, in grieving, in joys, in gladness, in all things, in all things, He remains faithful to His children. That's why we read in the Psalms, not putting your trust in princes or chariots. Not putting your trust in kings and the nations of the earth. Holy is he. Faithful is he who says, I am your God. You will be my people by grace. By grace. The Lord isn't a flip-flopping politician or king. He is a a true living king with true living promises. And he is totally reliable. Reliable. A totally reliable, faithful Father. Do you know Him as such? Do you, Christian, know Him as such? Or perhaps you think that He flip-flops on you? And His promise to you? Forgive me here. He won't forgive me there. He'll forgive me here, not there. He'll help me here, not there. In His time and in His ways and for His glory, He will be faithful to His people to the end. And that whole process we're called to trust in Him. To trust in His faithfulness. Great is Thy faithfulness O God, my Father. Deuteronomy 32. I want to share a few verses with you. Okay? These aren't fillers. I want to share them with you. You want to jot them down. Because they're important. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4 says, The rock, his 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 work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, Just and upright is he. Psalm 145, 13 says, The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The Father is faithful. And he is especially faithful when at the fullness of time he sent forth his son, the promise. In the fullness of time he sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born of a woman, to set us free from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. The father was faithful in sending the promise 
of the Messiah, the seed of Genesis 3, verse 15, he promised and delivered. The one that would be prophet, priest, and king, the one who would reign in the, on the throne of David, fulfilled. The one who would bring healing in his wings, fulfilled. The one who would heal the broken in spirit, fulfilled. God is faithful, especially in the bringing or sending forth of his son, Jesus. And so we look to the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the true God and true man. Jesus is the faithful one who kept covenant with the Father. He is the true Israelite. Remember that. He is the true Israelite because he is the true faithful, faithful one, the one who is faithful to God's covenant, who kept all the law and commandments, who faithfully obeyed the law and accomplished all righteousness. He is the true Israelite, and we, his people, are the true Israel of God. Because Jesus is faithful. Also, he is faithful in that he committed his life to do the will of the Father in heaven. He was loyal to his Father, faithful to his Father, to do his Father's will and purposes in accomplishing redemption for his people. The prophet Isaiah writes, Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. He comes in faithfulness to accomplish all that God promised all that the Father told him to do. Well, he's also faithfully serving us now. Jesus Christ is faithful in serving as a high priest in God's house. He's serving even now as God's son of God's house. Read the epistle to the Hebrews. Jesus is the faithful one, faithful to make intercession for your sins, faithful to be before God the Father for you and intercede for you, faithful to cleanse you of your sins, faithful to forgive, faithful to be a great high priest at the Father's right hand, faithful to be a son in God's house, faithful to execute justice as king, faithful to be a great high priest, faithful. Jesus is faithful. What is written on his robe? Faithful. He is the faithful witness. Revelation 1 verse 5. And he will come in faithfulness to redeem and receive his own. He's the rider who is called faithful and true, who makes war against the world and the devil. This is the faithfulness of God the Father and God the Son. They are true to their promises, loyal. And the faithfulness of God, the loyalty to God and His promise, that loyalty is being produced in our hearts by the power of the Spirit because we are faithless to obedience to God. We are faithless by nature because we are covenant breakers, law breakers. We are loyally lackluster, let's just say. We struggle with integrity and loyalty. And so our 
faithfulness comes too from outside of ourselves. It comes from God Himself. God, by His Word and Spirit, creates faith in our hearts to then walk in faithfulness to one another because we have known the faithfulness of God. Faith does not, or faithfulness does not produce faith. It is faith that produces faithfulness. Faith produces faithfulness. And so we trust in Christ. We believe in Him. And we have the Spirit of the living God who dwells in us. And that Spirit of the living God, the third person of the Trinity, works faithfulness in our hearts. And we see this in the life of believers of various different spiritual maturities. You see the senior saints, the older saints, those who have grown up in Christ for years and have learned, been in the school of Christ, in the school of faithfulness. And the younger Christians can see that loyalty, that love, that loyal love for God and for one another. One author says, believers in Jesus Christ are no longer under the dominion of faithlessness. Because you have been set free from the curse of the law and the tyranny of the devil, because you have become new creations in Christ, you are no longer in bondage to faithlessness. You are now free to pursue faithfulness. And when we fall, when we fall, what does the scripture say? When we are faithless, he remains what? Faithful. Faithful. I ask you, do you do you wrestle with forgiveness? I could be speaking to those who have been in the faith for years, decades. You could just be a Christian for a year, not even. We wrestle with it. We wrestle with it. Perhaps it's seeking forgiveness or giving. How are you in those departments? Are we being faithful? Are we being loyal to one another in the ways in which we interact and extend forgiveness, not casting people aside? Perhaps because they grieved us or offended us, we just cast them aside. My faithfulness stops right here. My loyalty ends right here because you offended me. Is that the gospel? Would that be a fruit of the Spirit? The gospel so transforms our lives that forgiveness works both ways. That we are faithful to one another because we love one another. We forgive one another as God in Christ forgave us. Because we are called to reflect the faithfulness of God. You see where I'm going with this? 
Perhaps you struggle with forgiveness in the sense that you need assurance. You need to know that God is faithful to forgive. Well, I mentioned earlier, 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful to forgive. And your Savior was faithful even unto death on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. And when we are faithless, He remains faithful for He cannot deny Himself. Now think about that. 2 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verse 11 and following. The text says, The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. In other words, if we reject Him, deny Him, if we forsake our mother's teaching, He will deny us. But He says, if we are faithless, He remains faithful. In other words, in this text, Paul knows that we will be faithless because we are still sinners. Sinners in constant need of grace and forgiveness and mercy of God. And that is why the gospel is so beautiful and so comforting and assures us that God is faithful to forgive. Yes, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Yes, I believe, Lord, but I struggle with this sin. I struggle with this. I haven't been faithless in this area. I haven't been faithful in this area of my life. I haven't been loyal to a friend. I haven't been loving to a neighbor, to my spouse, to my child. I haven't kept my promises to them. Forgive me. You see, God is faithful. To forgive sin. Faithful to forgive his children. But he's, he's faithful in a way. Listen carefully. He's faithful in a way that is perfect. He's faithful in a way in which we are not. And what do I mean by this? When he says, if we deny him, he also will deny us. God is faithful to his promise that if you do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall not be saved. You see? God is faithful to execute judgment. So let us not be deceived that he is faithful to his promise to forgive, and he is faithful to his promise to execute judgment upon all unrighteousness and ungodliness, upon unbelief. And so that's what I mean, that he is perfect in his righteousness and faithfulness in a way that we are not. Because he is God and we are not. We are not called to that latter part of executing judgment in the sense of condemning people to hell. God is the all-wise God. He knows hearts. We are called to be faithful, loyally, loving one another, calling people to Christ, back to Christ, come to Christ, come to Christ, love Christ. He is our all in all. Is the gospel that produces this fruit of the Spirit faithfulness by the power of the Spirit, removing this selfishness, removing this pride, this arrogance, 
in our sinful hearts and giving us a heart of service to one another, loyalty to one another. B.B. Warfield was a theologian and he was a professor at Princeton Seminary. And while he was at the height of his academic career, his wife had a neurological issue that made her um, debilitated. She became an invalid. And if you know anything about B.B. Warfield, he had a wealth of biblical, theological knowledge. He had a love for the church. He was a preacher. And here he is at the height of his academic career, and his wife suffered from a serious neurological issue. And Warfield took care of her for 10 years. 10 years. And it is said during a 10-year period, he never spent more than two hours away from his wife. One day someone asked him, have you ever thought about taking your wife to an institution? Then you can write bigger books and have a bigger ministry. But Warfield said, no way. My wife is my ministry. I will never leave her side. I'm going to love her and take care of her as long as God grants us life. That's faithfulness. That's faithfulness because faithfulness depends upon a standard, upon a truth, upon a vow. And he made a vow to his wife that in sickness and in health, he would be by her side and never leave her nor forsake her, just as his heavenly Father never leaves him nor forsakes him. That's faithfulness produced in the life of a Christian by the Spirit. It's crucifying self. Man, is it appealing to put someone in an institute and um, go write big books? Not really. I think that's a get-behind-me-Satan moment. Congregation, that's really reflecting the ministry of Christ to us. He will not abandon you, leave you, nor forsake you. When you belong to him, when you belong to him, you really belong to him. And no one snatches you out of his hand, nor the Father's. That's faithfulness. Loyalty. Loyalty. Have you been loyal, friend? Have you been a faithful friend? Or is faithfulness for you contingent or dependent upon another person's actions towards you? You see why I call it loyal love? Love is selfless and sacrificial. Faithfulness says, I'm going to stick by your side, brother, sister, because I love you. And I know sin like you know sin. And I'm going to walk this spiritual darkness with you. I'm going to walk this valley with you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to carry burdens with you. Faithfulness. It's a mortification, a putting to death of the self. Crucifying self and living by faith 
in the Son of God, who died for us and gave himself up for us. At the end of our days, the Lord will say, well done, good and what? Faithful servants. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much and enter into the joy of your master. Faithfulness, that fruit of the Spirit, loyal love. May God add his blessing upon preaching of his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are loyal and faithful and trustworthy to all your promises. For all your promises are yes and amen in Christ. And Christ is that faithful Lord, the faithful witness, the faithful son over your house. And through him and faith in his name, we, O oh Lord, have been committed to him and trusted to him to then go forth to be salt and light, to go forth among the people of God, even here at Emmanuel, to show loyal love to one another, to commit ourselves to one another for the unity of the body, for the sake of Christ, to the glory of your name, to the praise of our one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.